Hit it. Made of fail. We were unpopular before it was cool. Well, hello, Mr. Phantom Pants. Help me out here, Spock. I don't speak loser. Listen to yourself, man. You're hanging with nerds. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Made of Fail, episode 81. I am your host, Dana. With us tonight... We have the OG fail crew, dating back to when we first started this dinky little podcast. I would like to introduce you all, and possibly reintroduce you, if you're a new listener, to Adam. Oh, hey, this is a thing that I do. Hi, guys. Tessa. Hello. And Weston. Hi, everybody. You didn't do the hello, ladies. Hello, ladies. Much better. And gentlemen. There we go. <laughs> All right. Slash swoon. Slash swoon. That needs to be an email. All right. <laughs> so, how have you guys been? I'm gonna let's let's just sort of keep this in in the alphabetical order that we went over. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that'd so, be me. Adam, uh, tell the listeners well, uh, about yourself just a teensy eensy bit. Well, uh, hi guys. My name is Adam. That's plenty. Uh, I'm Next. part of the. No, I'm just kidding. Keep going. I'm part of the OG fail cruise. You mentioned I was actually on one of the first episodes back in the day. And since then, I've moved to the boonies, where I get really, really poor uh, Wi-Fi reception pretty much everywhere. So I pretty much dropped off the face of the earth. I mean, people knew where I was, and I could do some things, but this is the first podcast I've done in four years? I Something like remember. that? <laughs> I think you were so on the... So more boonies than previously? <laughs> I think you were on the uh, anniversary episode, and that was like... I a... think so. I think I did record something for the anniversary episode. That was like two but, years ago. That's yeah, still well, too long. I wanted you guys all to come back. Yes. I wanted to come back. This is the first time I've actually managed to get everything to fall into place to do so. So, you know, that's good. All right. All right. Tessa, you're up, baby. Hi. Hi. Yeah, so I... Um... I have the same problem that Adam had of the whole dropping off the face of the earth, but I don't have being in the middle of nowhere to blame for that. Um, I did some episodes early on with Nita Fail, um, not uh, terribly frequently, but I did a couple. Um, but you've also got the I, one piece start thing. Uh, we, uh, okay, so I am really, really good at starting stuff and then like letting it run for a little bit, and then well, it runs in the Nita Fail family. Trust me. It's part of our brand identity. <laughs> <laughs> I did the Reliquary for a while, which was a Warcraft podcast that ran for a couple episodes. Uh, I did One Piece Start, which was my um, Let's Play channel. That was a live stream and then moved to recorded stuff. Um, currently working on getting um, the current rewatch project that I have been working on that Weston also has been a part of. Um, yeah, if we can. We, no, nobody we can... seemed to mention this to me though, and you know I'm kind of your boss. Well, uh, it's it's. I mean, it wasn't. We mm-hmm. didn't run it under the made of hell label, I guess. There's so. no exclusionary language in our contract. <laughs> yeah, I, say, I, I think like, you were looking for exclusivity. I mean, my contract is literally just a piece of uh, notebook paper saying I will do whatever Kevin tells me to do. This is written on an avocado. Yeah, they actually spring out for the notebook paper for me, guys. Dude, I got like a napkin wow. from McDonald's. It's got mustard on it. I'm like super jelly. I'll send you an avocado. 
<laughs> All right, Weston, what you been up to, baby? Oh, man. So, hi, my name's Weston. I have been uh, part of the Made of Fail family for quite some time. You know, known the original crew for, oh, man, I don't even want to think about how long. You're old. Pretty sure the last time, you're older. A decade and change. <laughs> I'm prettier. I can't dispute that. Thank you. But I have the better voice. Right. No, stop that. That's mm -hmm. not fair. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pretty sure the last time that I was on the Made of Fail podcast would have been about four and a half or five years ago. It was the one where uh, we were talking about dating and getting out there and meeting mm -mm. people. Mm -mm. And that... Mm, you no. were on the Jeopardy episode, buddy. I was on the Jeopardy episode. Was that after okay. that one? It was, yeah. Oh, uh, wow. I'm thinking of that episode because that is the episode that uh, motivated me to get out, which is how I met Kate, which is how I wound up now with a three-year-old son, which is pretty much the extent of my life for the last three years, uh, doing the dad thing. And he is, oh, yes. by the way, listen, I hate to interrupt, but he is the most adorable child I've ever seen. I'm this related to small children, and your, and your son is the most adorable thing I've ever seen in my life. Honestly, amazing. I'm rather fond of him, yes. <laughs> yeah, you should totally keep him. <laughs> well, until yeah, he turns 18, and then get, yeah, then you gotta, <laughs> you gotta get rid of him after that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, guys, we have uh, a couple of topics. Uh -huh. Number one, Adam, my dear, you wanted to talk about Stardew Valley. Oh, yes, absolutely I did, because holy crap, this game. Okay, so, actually, towards the beginning of this year, this little uh, indie developer called Chucklefish, and just one developer, the only guy who works on this project, just put out a little game called Stardew Valley, and holy crap, it took over the internet. We actually For, do I have a review of it on the site, so... Yeah, it's fantastic. And if you've never played it, or if you've never heard of it, it plays a little bit like Harvest uh, Harvest Moon uh, series of games from Nintendo, only way, way better. It's like it's. I can't get over just how much depth and they put this one dude working for two years put into this game. Now I didn't know and, it was one guy. That's really cool. Yeah, it is one dude. It's kind of like it's kind of like Minecraft, but not uh, Gamergatey, basically. Shh, don't say <laughs> it. You'll summon them. You, you will attract the sea lions. Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did not. I did not realize there was a protocol for that. I apologize, but the Society yeah. for Preservation of Ethics in Gaming Journalism. <laughs> <laughs> Is this really a thing, or we're just making fun of them? We're making fun. Um, Go on. Okay, thank God. Stardew Valley. Anyway, Stardew Valley. So, you play as this, uh, basically you play as Joe, as you can make your own little character, and you can be male, female, or gender, so you can have any color skins. Very, very cool like that. But you basically just put on a farm, and you're told to do whatever you want with it. You want, if you want a ranch, do some ranching. You can buy cows, buy pigs, buy goats. You can buy goats in this game, which is kind of cool. I've never seen that before in one of these kind of games. Can you plant uh, avocados? No. Actually, Fuck this game. I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll think put it in the Is that one of the crops? I want to say that it is. I don't believe avocado is one of the crops because um, avocados sure. grow on trees. Like I said, it's, I, it's I, still I, big. I can't. I can't recommend this then. <laughs> but you can like you you just basically build your garden up. You get to know the. There's a bunch of townsfolk you can get to know. And 
Yeah, so many. And what's cool about Stardew Valley, unlike Harvest Moon, where you could only, like, it was, you had, like, your guy, your character was male, and you could only date lady characters. Now any, now you can date anyone. So it's Let's a farming look. sim with you a dating were. sim in it. Yes. Yeah, uh, the, the Harvest Moon series kind of always had that aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, marrying the Harvest Goddess, I think, was one of the hardest things to do in the Harvest Moon series. And, uh, yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, and <laughs> so the writing is really amazing because these characters actually have a lot of depth. I mean, one of the characters, uh, one of the uh, love interests' fathers comes back from war, and he has kind of has, like, PTSD. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And there's another guy uh, who's actually going to be – he's not currently a uh, romance interest now, but he's going to be in the next in one of the next updates. Uh, Shane actually struggles with depression. And, like, I have actually – I'm not big into this kind of, like, uh, oh, my waifu, how precious thing. But I was like, dude, Shane, I mean, I just kind of want to put a blanket around him and give him some soup and just make him feel better. Because <laughs> he actually works at the local convenience store, Martin. I've had that job, oh, and it sucks bad. No wonder he's got Aww. depression. Yeah, for real. But it's just, like, amazing how much thought and depth went into this game for one person on, like, a shoestring budget. I mean, now it's blowing up, and, the, I mean, Chucklefish has really put a lot of resources behind it now. But it's uh, taking over the Internet, and it's actually just kind of the tip of this indie renaissance we're going through right now, especially with Steam. Because developers, like, you can have a development studio with, like, one or two guys, and have if your game is good enough and it has enough press you can get on Steam Greenlighter and just blow up. I mean that like Starbound is an, actually another Chucklefish product. It's got a bigger uh, design crew but it's still not that many people. What's that one about? Uh Star uh, Starbound is uh kind of, it's basically a, a side scroller Minecraft in outer space. Um It's a lot like Terraria in that way. Is a lot like Terraria in that way, and also other ways. But it's honestly, I think Starbound is a little bit more ambitious than Terraria, because with Terraria you only have the one world you populate and you build. But with Starbound, there's millions, hundreds of thousands of star systems, and each star system has like tons of randomly generated planets. So you can go forever and just build and build and build and. If you have a server, it's all consistent. So you can have, like, you can, it's kind of a little bit like No Man's Sky in that in that regard, uh, whether that meets the hype of it or not, but it can I am so just, looking forward to that. I want it to be good so bad. I want it to not suck so bad. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I'm watching for the reviews. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's one a lot of people have been holding their breath on. They're going to be very telling. The only, like I said, and that actually kind of gets into my, uh, as a side tangent, that kind of gets into my problem with a lot of open world games, especially the really ambitious ones like Starbound or No Man's Sky. It's almost like there's too much content. I mean... <laughs> I, I, look, I play WoW. I don't know what that feels like. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, I feel you on that. Like, I'm sitting here at level 100, all epics. I'm like, I am so bored. Right. Give me something to do. Yeah. Uh, that's the neat thing about procedural generation right there, you know, that you can generate something that just expands on itself. You don't have to go out and design every individual element. You don't have to place every single last rock on every star, planet. Starbound is amazing. great. 
because even the monsters are procedurally generated. I mean, nice. there are some that get populated, but there's just have, they made like a huge amount of like just monster parts, and they mm-hmm. the and the uh, generator will stick them together like like monster Legos basically. <laughs> so you'll recognize the different parts, and they all have different attacks. Even the weapons are uh, procedurally generated. So and. That's actually one of the gripes I do have about the game because the weapons can be either just super OP or they can just be garbage with very little wiggle room in between. <laughs> and if you get like if you get a good weapon like on the first planet you visit and you can just coast to the first two or three different tiers of progression, but if you don't, you're really gonna have a bad time. Well, here's and here's a close. So it's a roguelike. Got... Okay. Not so much. Uh, what was your question, Dana? Here, here's what I wanted to ask. You say we we're sort of going through an indie game revolution right now. What about that is sort of resonating with you as opposed to, like, the AAA games? And, well, with AAA and, and, games... And, 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 and... Oh, there's a follow-up. How would one <laughs> go about hearing about these sort of things? Well, uh, one thing is I always keep an eye on screen. Uh, Steam Greenlight is a really good resource because... If an indie game, gets, what's great about Greenlight is it's people voting for it. Mm-hmm. So the things that get the most voting will actually get funding from Steam to finish the game and get it into a release status. And that and now another thing is what's really great about the indie scene is as I do AAA games is AAA games are safe. Like you get things like the Elder Scrolls. Any Elder Scrolls game you put out is going to get is going to make reach platinum status. That's just the fact of life. You've got the you've got a brand, Elder Scrolls, and Elder Scrolls nerds will buy that every single time. I mean, that's why, uh, like, uh, for instance, Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider for a while there had some pretty kind of lackluster games, but they had massive budgets thrown behind them in advertising, and they still sold well. With with indie games, you don't have that kind of budget at all. All you really have is word of mouth and maybe, like, say, cause, so the quality really shines through. If you have a bad indie game, you're not going to go anywhere. But if you have a good one and it really sticks with people, like, I know Tess has been on big on this one, Undertale. Oh, my God, yeah. Undertale blew <laughs> the fuck up. Undertale, like, if you were just looking at the graphics for Undertale, you would dismiss it out of hand. It's 8-bit, it's... But you actually play it, and you're just sucked in. The writing is so... Like, I, I, that's why I, I played it, and I couldn't manage to dodge it, the uh, the pellets. So I kept dying. Oh, so I was like... Yeah, no, that's yeah, I'm I'm, I suck at it personally. I am not coordinated, as anyone who has spent time with me in a room will tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunately, I, it's, yeah. Not, it's not a totally... I guess accessible is the word I'm looking for. Not a totally accessible game. It's not fully RPG, which is sort of how it was described. It's kind of not. It's much more like, it's much more of a puzzle game, I guess, in a way. Um, That might be why I didn't take to it. I'm not very good at those. Yeah, it's, it definitely has RPG elements to it and you can play it like a typical RPG game, but, um, but the game, in order to get the most out of it, you kind of need to be able to do a little bit more than that. And a lot of that does unfortunately come down to, whether or not you're able to um, deal with and at least tolerate, if not enjoy, the the bullet hell um, nature if, of if the combat. If the game is not strong, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, I, I sucked at it. I'm sorry. I tried. No, it's it's it's. I totally understand people not being overly thrilled with, with I mean, the game. 
Um, it's it's a great game. It deserves all the praise it gets, and that's kind of the one thing because you could not make Undertale with a, as a AAA game. Okay, you but see, could I, not. I'm sure no it's great, but I couldn't play it. I couldn't play it. I'm terrible at it. It, it was yeah. It, it, and it like felt the, like a barrier. Not you know. Kind of risk. I mean, Undertale's a hell of a risk when you just look at it on the surface. No, like EA would not make Undertale. They just could not get that out the door. I mean, let's there's. I mean, it's because with EA, like with the AAA developers, there's just so much money. It has to be as safe as possible. That's actually kind of what I feel with Ubisoft because oh, we can't make a female protagonist. I mean, they can, but they're not going to because they would lose themselves. So yeah, that that gets into a kind of complicated. Uh, I mean, we've that was I think the last episode I was on of this. We had a lot of conversation about that, and I yeah. I do think that has a lot. There's a lot more in in that to be unpacked than just the money aspect of it. But um, yeah, and also there's just the you know, you girls horrible person. Aspect. Well, it's, it's it's more complicated than that too. But uh, but I mean, there's there's a lot of things that goes that. into it, and it's it's like I said, there's that there was an episode that we basically spent the majority of the time talking about it. So I don't want to go too deep into yeah, it, I guess. Let's, let's ignore that can of worms right now. Cause if we do it again. We will never get to anything else. Cause right, there's just I, so I, much I had, I had a pack. thought and I wanted to okay. see if you guys kind of agree with this. Do you sure. feel that we're having this sort of indie revolution because there's a lot of competition right now with the AAA games to attract an audience. And so they're not like, how do I put this? So they have to play it safe, so the people who don't want safe franchise games are really delving into this little underground scene. I, I don't know if this is really making sense, but consider, like... Consider... ...to what is going on there. Well, and I think, absolutely, there is some of that. But also, like I said... Let's, Let's go back to Starbound. Well, hold on, hold you on, couldn't... hold on, hold on. Because I, I was, I was thinking you guys kept interrupting me before I could finish this. Sentence. Sorry. But, um, there, <laughs> if you if you go back to like the uh, the beginning of console gaming, well, not like the beginning, the beginning. So like, okay, sort of beginning when it really took off. You had Nintendo, you had Sega, and they released a lot of different kinds of games, okay? Because this was, like, the big new thing. That was their big, like, creativity spike. And now it's hard to attract console titles, so you gotta go with what's safe. But then you, then you lose the creativity, mm. so the creativity I, I has to come from the indie industry. What and another thing is doing? that... Uh, sorry, Weston, go ahead. No, that's all right. Uh, one thing that they're doing is... Um, hyper-targeting demographics, right? They're not making games that uh, are for broader uh, audiences. I mean, like Super Mario World, you know, that was pretty cool. But uh, now you have games that are specifically targeted to very small subsections of people with the anticipation that they're going to make lots of money within that subsection, and then you can, you know, just kind of split up your demographics and make games for each individual one of them. I think that that's... It works for them, I guess, but it's yeah. not going to be quite as uh, broad in its appeal. Like Stardew Valley has combinations of uh, growing things, building things, and going into dungeons and fighting things and collecting their loot. You know, it's got a broad spectrum, and it's also a dating sim at the same time. How cool is that? 
See, I, I kind of disagree that that's the state of things. I think it's actually really? more the reverse. I think really? okay. um, the the reason why a lo- why um, the AAA, I guess, field tends to play more more safe is that they are trying to cast their net their uh, net as wide as possible. They're they're going for as broad of an audience as they can because every game has. There's so much money invested in each game that it they have to make their they have to make it as big as they can and there is a there's definitely a problem with um the concept of what wide appeal actually means and there's a definite problem with um misunderstanding what the demographics are and um working on how to reach them. But I wouldn't say that AAA is hyper-targeted. I, I think they have a definite problem with um, with their concept of demographics, but I wouldn't, I would definitely not. So I, I think the indie okay. scene is where you have a lot more hyper-targeted um, genre-specific uh, experimentation, I guess, because I think a lot of the indie scene comes out of people kind of filling gaps where there's a demand for things. Um, there's, that's how you get stuff like, um, you get stuff like amnesia, the dark descent that came out of that because there was a major, major gaping hole in the, uh, survival horror genre because Mm. the, the triple a versions of those games were veering further and further into watering, watering down their, their genre into, trying to make it as much like Call of Duty as you could because that was that was the yeah. flavor that was proven Absolutely. to sell the best. Yeah. Like, what are yeah. the last three big horror games that we've had? There's uh, Amnesia, there's uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, there's, um, I think, uh, the other one will be Slenderman game. Uh, uh, can well, you remember? I've been trying to push Shadowgate you, are, you guys. You are, seeing <laughs> that, you are seeing the pendulum start to swing back again where yeah. you, you do have some of the um, some of the studios and in the larger you know, side of the industry that are kind of taking, uh, taking note. I mean, the, the most recent Resident Evil game that was kind of previewed at uh, E3 this year yes. looks very much in, in back to its roots as a, I mean, it's not back to its roots necessarily as a Resident Evil game, but as mm-hmm. a survival horror kind of thing, it's, yeah. it looks almost like a, a Silent Hill kind of game. Yeah. Um, and you you have that in a lot of a lot of the larger I guess larger hits in the indie genre have been sort of trying to serve an audience that wants something specific that hasn't really been given it. And okay. I I do kind of have to like I guess put the brakes a bit on um like lauding the uh, the the praise on the indie like field because it is very much a hit and miss kind of thing Uh, steam has massive problems right now as far as its own quality control there's for every oh it's customer service for god's sake it needs any any for every for every Uh, like smash hit indie title that is you know that we all point to and go oh my gosh why can't all games be like this there's like just buckets and buckets of just utter crap that is Mm. Yeah, for, for every Stardew Valley, there are 17 Huddleful Boyfriends. Let's be honest with you. I love that game. Okay, you shut your hang, lying hang on, mouth. Hang on. <laughs> the Huddleful Boyfriend is, is, is not 
a good example of what that is the greatest is pigeon dating okay. system. Okay. Okay. I apologize. No, no, I apologize. No. Your opinion is wrong. <laughs> For every Stardew Valley, there are seventeen uh, Yandere simulators. I apologize. That's it's not even what I'm talking about either. It's okay. Well, For, like the crap games are usually like ninety nine cents. So if you get a crap game, it's not like you've invested a lot of time or money yeah. into I'm it. I'm talking. So. I'm talking more about. Um, I mean, there there are people who have devoted a lot of time to actually like looking into this problem and and kind of trying to to shed some light on it. That there are people who will like just straight up go and buy asset packs for um for like unity engine for example and then just turn around and slap a name on it and try to resell the asset pack that they just bought as a game oh um, yeah. that's not good and and steam that's greenlight easy. is one of those things that actually makes that possible to do there's a lot of scamming that goes on on that end because well, but if people vote on it then how does it there to... there are there are um well i guess other than like vote brigading uh, probably slash VGE has a ba- has a pretty bad history of no, that. No, there there are, there are groups of people on Steam who uh, kind of sell themselves as quote unquote uh, um, PR firms for for people who want to get their stuff on green on Greenlight who basically just create giant like quote unquote communities on Steam and offer free stuff to those people if they'll go and vote up um, so this games is, on green light. Then, you're saying this is sorry. an a- actual ethical gaming question. Then. Yeah. Yes, that sounds accurate, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. I forgot those, I forgot those um, still existed. I mean, like, it's... Um, Jim Sterling is one of, like, the, the video games, like, journalism kind of personalities who has made a lot of his career on trying to like highlight this problem with steam and like most of his YouTube channel is him playing really, really bad steam Greenlight projects that are making their way through that are by and large, just scams to try to yep. make quick money off of people who don't know better. Oh, boo. I mean, I know I've seen things on there that are like, um, uh, budget your savings and you know, it's like, this oh, is no, a game. Are, it's not actually, you need a budget. No, that, that's, yeah, a, that's, that's an actual thing though. Yeah, exactly. Those oh, okay. are legit products, and, and I'm not trying to say that like oh, okay. the indie scene in general like is bad. Okay. I think it's it's just that it is a little bit more complicated than right. than saying that the indie scene has everything going for it right now and AAA has nothing. Well, moving, well, moving, I mean, hold on, move, moving away from Steam for a second, a- Adam, I love you, but I'm gonna cut you off just as punishment for leaving me hanging for 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> let's let's move away. Yo, Adam, I love you, and I'll let you finish. But... <laughs> No, but no, no. Tessa but, had the is that joke still funny? Segue. I'm trying. I'm. I'm trying to segue into something because time limits, sweetheart. Okay, this is a great conversation, and I'm even cutting off something that I was gonna say. So eat it. Okay. Um, segueing uh, away from Steam for a moment. The other place I hear uh, is is Kickstarter is responsible for a lot of games. Uh, I've backed Shadowgate on that. I have backed um, an MMO called Chronicles of Illyria that's under development. And it's like a real, real-time, like, uh, I'll tell you guys personally about it later, because it's, it's still mm-hmm. in really early development, but it's, it's really mm-hmm. fucked up. Um, the Friday the 13th game, which oh, looks hello. amazing, 
Uh, I backed that. literally your thing, yeah. Well, it's it's actually not. It's survival horror, and I'm fucking awful at it, and it's co-op, and I'm fucking awful at co-op. <laughs> but I desperately wanted to make this game come to life, because yeah. it is incredibly innovative. And uh, I wanted to, you know, give my... Uh, game code to whoever wanted it actually and I, it's, it's already been claimed it's already been claimed but yeah I, I i it looks amazing so i think if you sort of pay attention to kickstarter there's a lot of really good indie games there but then unfortunately and we'll segue over to tessa here and i've used the word segue too many times let's talk about the shit fest that was mighty number nine Oh God! Oh okay, God. so let's tell I, the, tell, let's tell the story. As, as a, like just upfront, this was a game that I kickstarted. This was a the, that I kick not kickstarted. I paid into the Kickstarter. Can we do a TLDR of what it is for those who might not know? Okay, what it was presented as, and more or less what it is. Um, it's uh, the it was a project that was floated by KG and Athune, who was one of the. Um, one of the creators of Mega Man, although to call him the creator of Mega Man, like a lot of people have, is kind of misleading because he didn't actually have anything to do with the development of the games. He was the character designer. Um, and the basically it was a spiritual successor to the Mega Man franchise, um, especially because uh, fans of that series were... were really feeling like Capcom was never going to actually make any other worthwhile games in the series at that point. So it was one of the things that Kickstarter does really, really well, uh, which kind of plays into what Steam Greenlight also does when it does it well, is gives people platforms to um, get games that are that have an audience that aren't being served and helps get those to them and helps get them made. Um, stuff that AAA developers aren't interested in making because they're either too big a risk or um, just because they don't find it a worthwhile investment to make them. So um, Mighty Number no. 9 was supposed to be a basically a Mega Man-ish kind of game where um, that was supposed to basically play like that. It, I'm fumbling with my words here, but... Um, the character design was really reminiscent of Mega Man. Um, it was, you know, a jump and shoot kind of platform mm -hmm. um, game. And uh, it, like, bit for bit was kind of, you know, built as a Mega Man game that was kind of only by virtue of it having a different name, not actually a Mega Man game. Um, and that is pretty much what we got. Um, part of the problem, uh, okay, there's, there's a mountain of problems with, with this game, but, um, what, what's, what's, what's the most egregious thing that they've done? Well, the most egregious thing that they've done is that the game sucks, but, well, uh, I don't, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I watched, uh, the team four star, uh, 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 Renegade for Life play it. And it was like, Wow, you can, I mean, normally Lana Torch kind of fakes it, but he could tell he was pissed. It's not fun, and that's that's a real bummer. Well, like, but if it's, it's, if it's just basically a, a Mega Man platformer, where where did they fuck up? Is it the controls? Is it the graphics? Is it... Um, okay, What's well... 
God. Um, I mean, I guess coming right down to like the core of it is it's just not well designed. It's um, it's a very poorly designed platformer. If I was, it's definitely in the spiritual like feel of a Mega Man game. But if I was going to make a comparison, it's much more of a like Mega Man X six as opposed to Mega Man two, which I think was more what the the fan base was kind of hoping for. Um, and and I, I realize that's not a very good descriptor with, if you're it's, not familiar. Yeah, but I've, I've only played Mega Man kind of like three. Playing so. Final Fantasy, expecting Final Fantasy seven, and getting Final Fantasy Tactics. That, that kind of oh. no, that's that I would heavily disagree. Um, because Final Fantasy Tactics is still a good game. Seven's overrated. Uh, um, uh, and Final Fantasy Tactics Advance sucks, but that's neither here nor there. Well, I, I'm just trying to pinpoint but... what makes okay, Mighty Number no. Nine suck so, as a game. Um, the difficulty curve is kind of all over the place. Okay, there um, we go. The uh, the uh, levels seem to be designed more for. I'm trying to think of a good way to put it. Um, it's it's the kind of design philosophy that that rather than setting up genuine challenges for a player, they just decide to throw obstacles and enemies in the most inconvenient places they can. Um, oh, so it's, it's for the, uh, okay. I, I see, I see what you're talking about then. Yeah. It's, it's hard it's for like, hard sake and not for, it's hard for, it's, it's artificial difficulty. There yeah, we go. Like, um, fill the, fill uh, the screen with enemies kind of thing. Um, placing one hit kill place things, um, in really inconvenient places, uh, having one hit kill mechanics that are a complete surprise to the player that they have no actual way of knowing will be a thing until they get killed by it. Uh, well, you can you can say the same thing about Mega Man Two and Bubble Man stage. You got those spikes up on the roof that'll hit you. Like, okay, the, it, it the, won't the, just like take some of your life. It'll insta kill you. Are we talking right. like I want to be the right. guy levels of dickery? Oh or? Jesus. In, in some cases, kind of. I mean, I wouldn't say to that extent, but it definitely kind of has okay. that feel, which is fine. So it's deliberately if... designed for like 1% of people to get through it without trying to rip their own skin off. No, I see. I don't <laughs> think that was the intent. And that's part of the problem is I, I think this was designed to like okay. the the intent was for this to be reminiscent of a Mega Man game. And it and it is. It just isn't good. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's so I mean, to go into some more specifics other than just, like, griping about the platforming, um, the the game, the art style is fine, and I actually really enjoy it, but the the actual, um, I guess, graphics of the game are really kind of ugly looking. They, um, they aren't well polished. Um, some of the visual effects are really bad. Um, the, um, the level design is really really sloppy and really kind of boring um different areas look by and large the same almost every single level in the game is a variation on some kind of warehouse or facility that aside from like you know the water level having like being filled with water it otherwise looks a lot like just about every other level in there um assault from the warehouse district so one of the things that one of the things that Mega Man as a series, when it's doing stuff well, does really well, is um, when I'm talking about the difficulty here, like, um, one of the reasons, like, one of the things that it does really, really well is it'll present you a concept that 
then and and um like i guess for example the the whole disappearing platform thing it'll it'll present that concept to you in a safe room where that uh you're you find out okay this is how i'm supposed to do this and then from there it takes away the safety rails and lets you just basically presents you with a harder version of what you've already learned to do um there's nothing really in mighty number nine that follows that philosophy at all it's all much more um deep end of the pool sort of thing it's, I, I wouldn't even say deep end in the pool because that, that would imply that there's that there's actually like complicated uh, mechanics at play and it's mostly just inconvenient enemy placements and kind of bullshit uh, obstacle placement. And, so it's dropping uh, you into an ocean, but the, that part of the ocean has like rocky cliffs. Mm. Kind of. I mean, <laughs> um, another I another I'm problem is that uh, they should. Uh, Repackage the art assets and release them on Steam Greenlight. Oh God! <laughs> I guarantee you, somebody will improve on it. Well, I mean, I, it, um, it another hard. another problem. So, just to give like an an example of how badly the design, just from a conceptual standpoint, is. Um, there's a mechanic, like it's a very major mechanic in the game that you damage enemies to a certain point. Um, they kind of go transparent, and then you dash through them and. Um, that's what defeats the enemies. Um, and doing it a certain way, there, there's more about that I can complain about. It feels like it was kind of um, shoehorned in just to give the game something unique where it kind of maybe would have been better spent being a little smart, smarter with, this, with the design of the levels and the actual platform. So and stuff, just, but... just shooting the enemies won't actually kill them? You actually have to do an additional step? For regular enemies, you can actually just shoot them to the point of killing them. It just takes forever. Um, where is this? Where this becomes a major problem is during boss fights because um, you'll hit you'll hit um, certain points where you'll you'll damage a boss, and um, then they'll go transparent, and you have to dash through them to move on to the next part of the fight. And if you don't, then they heal back up. They heal up the damage you just did to them. Oh, that's stupid! Oh, God. Here's the problem. Here, yeah, so it gets worse than that. Oh my god! Okay, I'm getting popcorn. You, you, well, so to start out with, you can't. There's no means of dashing upwards. You can only dash directly in front of you. Some of some of the bosses can fly. Oh, so it's like a jump dash. So you, there's there's more than one of the bosses where you can wind up in the situation where you've gotten them to the point where you have to dash through them and there's no possible way to actually reach them to do that and they just heal up all the damage you just did. Oh. Um, so you have to make sure that you hit them close to the ground? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's... It, I guess, and, and there, there's some of that is kind of... I guess there's sort of a strategy there, but it there's... The game's also really, really bad at telling you at giving you any information about the things that you can and can't do. Mm. Uh, it, it, it does one of those things where it does stop you every so often to say stuff to you, but it tends to be story related stuff or kind of information that comes way too late. Um, so basically we're saying indie developers, if you create a game and it's going to have weird mechanics in it, make a tutorial level. Mm, that sounds very 
there's all well, I mean that, DuckTales that's Remastered did that really really well that's that ostensibly out. what the intro level is supposed to be but again they don't so for example like you can crouch while you dash and that'll let you get under things and it'll let you dodge some stuff the game never actually tells you that you can do that until until you're at least a level or two in after you will have had to have worked that out on your own anyways yeah, we're mm. we're saying put all that information front and center so we know what yeah. to expect. Yeah, or or design the game so that it teaches that stuff to you As kind you of go. naturally, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, or even just throw in an exposition fairy if you're feeling lazy. Well, and and all of this comes after like the game being delayed over and over and over again. It it, it kind of wasn't a huge shock to people when it turned out it was really bad because uh. it had it had um, gone through all kinds of problems in its development. I heard um, there was also a really big kerfuffle about the marketing. Yeah, the ad, the ad for it was... Um, so, I mean, if you're... If you're uh, I would kind of think this was obvious, but, like, if your game is going to run with kind of an, in you know, Japanese anime uh, aesthetic and sort of appeal to that probably appealed very much to that audience. It's probably not a great idea for your uh, the ad for your game to uh, uh, ridicule and insult said audience. Wait, they negged? What? Yeah. I haven't actually been following this, but they just did, like, pull pickup artist shit on, on a gaming audience? That's it, already been so the, waiting patiently for this fucking game for, oh my. Pretty much. I mean, like, the, the actual quote was something like, uh, something along the lines of, uh, you can make the enemies cry like an anime fan on prom night. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I'm a terrible person and that's too far. <laughs> I like hey, how that's Jesus. the standard. <laughs> the standard that we measure things by. If Adam thinks it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, I fully admit to being a terrible person. I mean, I'm recovering I've seen terrible person, but far damn, worse. son. Well, and yeah, it was. There was just a lot of problems in the lead up to the game being released. The reaction that the developers had to the game not getting great um, reception was pretty bad. Um, it was it was misattributed to um, to KG and Afune. Because he didn't actually say this, but it was uh, during an interview while the the launch of the game was happening, and people were kind of not like the the reviews were coming back really bad, and people in general were just not happy with it. Um, while there was a stream going on where Inafune was was on stream with the translator, the translator at one point said, "Hey, you mean it's better than nothing? Just be happy with what you got." And the, uh, yeah, and... Well, we didn't that... scam you, at least, so here's a shit game. <laughs> hey, we said uh-huh. we would get you a game. We got you a game. Yeah. I don't we see never promised quality. And, and um, yeah, it just was uh, just was not very good. Just the entire, the entire kerfuffle was pretty bad. And, and it's unfortunate because it also, uh, like, whenever that kind of thing happens, and it does happen from time to time, either a game will not live up to its expectations that it, that was uh, funded on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. or, like, straight-up scams will happen on Kickstarter, and every time it does, that 
tends to make people really distrustful of what Kickstarter is doing. And... I have noticed that I'm very sorry to interrupt. I I, I, no am, I promise. But I have noticed that the games that do very well on Kickstarter are the ones where the creators uh, have sort of constant updates and connections and mm. footage and like you get to see the entire development process and feedback yeah. and there's a beta stage and you, you know you got all this stuff uh when i was beta testing shadowgate you had a direct line to the direct people who were creating that game it yeah, was amazing um, instant feedback the friday the 13th game uh every step of the way has shown every part of development they're doing the chronicles of lyria game i feel like i'm gonna get kind of screwed on because they don't really have a lot to show and it's yeah that's that's kind of the the well and you also had stuff like i mean sorry trying to think of how to put yeah. this uh, but, but you really have to communicate with your audience is what you yeah. want the audience yeah. wants there, to feel like flags. Yeah. And there's definite red flags that you can that you can kind of see when and may, and and the problem is is that sometimes you can't actually tell prior to the game actually getting funded. But there's definite red flags that you can kind of see in the development process when when this kind of stuff is turning sour. And Mighty Number no. Nine was one of those cases where there were a lot of red flags. Um, uh, the development team starting several other Kickstarters while they're game was still in development yeah. was kind yeah. of not a fit move. I mean, that's got to be like the center yeah. space on the uh, bad Kickstarter project bingo sheet. Free space. I mean... Well, so they... and, and the... the um, I'm trying to remember the name of the game and I can't, but it was a Mega Man Legends kind of spiritual successor kind of thing um, that they tried to Kickstarter and it didn't succeed. And um, the reason it didn't succeed was because people were like, well, wait, where? what about this other game that we just paid you for? Um, and it, it didn't, it didn't really improve people's opinions of what was going on with, uh, with concept when it turned out like that they got picked up by, uh, um, they had a, uh, publisher in their pocket anyways for it. And so they're ostensibly still making this game, um, even though it failed its Kickstarter, um, but it, it kind of does leave a sour taste in people's mouth when you're asking for money and then turn around and, and actually have publishers ready to go. Right. Uh, what did you need us for? <laughs> right. And, and I mean, I admittedly the like development process of a game and what it costs and what goes into it is a lot more complicated than that. And that's why a lot of Kickstarter projects still do wind up taking on um, some publisher money um, because Kickstarter is, is in a way kind of a way to, um, among other things, is a way to be able to show that there's genuine interest in your product. Mm -hmm. And it's really good word of mouth. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's unfortunate when this kind of thing happens because there are really good Kickstarter projects out there that don't have these red flags of things going wrong that then people sort of look skeptically, skeptically at every time that you have something like this that happens. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess we're saying, you know, definitely support games that you want to have exist in the world, but be very, very cautious and make sure that you look for um, the red flags such as they're doing other Kickstarters or there's unexplained delays or there's not a lot of updates or there's there just doesn't seem to be any communication at all from the developers. Uh, they don't have anything concrete to show you. It, it helps a lot 
it helps an awful lot if the developers can actually show you something of what the game will look like in practice mm-hmm. and not just concept art. Is yeah, that what, and, and that's, that's, that's that the stage should, that Chronicles of yeah. Larry is in, unfortunately. And, and that's not to say that you shouldn't trust anything that's only concept art, but it's it's a lot easier to know what you're paying into if they can show you that, hey, this is how this is going to look. And unfortunately, Mighty Number no. 9 did have some of that. Um, part of where we run into, like, where this massive problem is, is that the finished game looks nothing like what we were shown when the Kickstarter started. Then, and then can that actually be considered a scam? Uh, I wouldn't call it That's a scam. really murky legal ground, because yeah, they I would, did provide I would... a game, and they can always say, oh, well, the, ch- the, the concept of the game changed in development. I mean... I, I definitely wouldn't say that they willingly... Well, bait and switch you know, at least. I, see, I, I don't think that's the case. I think I think a lot of that comes down to... like there, There's a lot of discussion that could be had over why the game turned out so bad. Um, a big part of the problem was uh, the game made far, far more than it asked for in, in its Kickstarter money, and the uh, the milestone goals kind of got out of hand, and so they, they went from developing a game that was really only going to have one or two platforms to trying to suddenly make it available on every platform that they could. Yeah, them stretch goals will kill you. They, they absolutely will. Basically and over-promised when, and under-delivered. Uh, yeah. under over, over-promised, under-delivered, and the problem, one of the big problems is, that is, and it's something that a couple Capcom people sort of chimed in on when this whole thing was falling apart was Keiji Inafune wasn't really ever a game designer. He was a, he was a, a, a business guy and a concept artist. He was never actually a developer. Um, and that's actually one of the things I'm a little bit concerned about, about one of my Kickstarters I've, I've acted as uh, the uh, plant mercenaries, the Schlock mercenary tabletop RPG. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little bit concerned because it is running more than a little bit behind. At the moment, but I think I have, have, have the devs kept you. Have the devs kept yeah, you up I mean, to date? Howard, Howard Taylor is absolutely reliable. It's just that he's also he's not a game designer, and I'm a little bit I'm I'm concerned. I, I guess where where the delay thing comes into play, and where you need to start getting really worried about that is if there's delays, if there's continual delays without really much of anything being shown about why. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can I, I can I accept delays as yeah. I, I can well I I think most Kickstarters give you a direct line of communication to the developer. Yeah. Um so I, I think you're able to go ahead and, and sort of like say, Hey, I have concerns, I have questions, you know, what is what does this mean for my pledge, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, because yeah, also- I backed at one of the higher tier levels. I backed for like physical good copies of everything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, and, and I would really like my book so I can lend them to my good friend Weston, who did not have money at the time. <laughs> I got the I... PDF one, I think. Oh, okay, okay, that's cool. I actually I backed at the tier that gave me the uh, physical copy of the uh, uh, seventy maximum maximally effective mercenaries too. So I'm really looking oh, forward to that. Yes. And, and I think another thing that probably needs to be said, and, and, and it's kind of a crappy, you know, angle to take on it, because it, it, this is going to sound a little bit like, like blaming the victim, but 
Um, I do think people need to understand what Kickstarter is and what it isn't. Um, Cause a lot of people do, and, and I'm guilty of this too. A lot of people do treat Kickstarter as a pre-order system. And it's oh, no, not, no, 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 and it's no. definitely not that. And that uh, not can we fund, it's, it's accepting funding from people to create you are, a thing. You are making an investment when you, when you invest in a Kickstarter, that is a, a, an actual investment. You, are not guaranteed a product. You are not guaranteed the exact kind of product that you think you might get, and you are you are taking kind of a gamble on on that happening. See, Honestly, that's yeah. why I prefer Patreon. Patreon just seems mm-hmm. like a much better system to me. But Patreon because... is for monthly content, more or less, mm-hmm. or like a per. It, it's it's yeah, more for regularly. It's for it's it's set up for regular payments for regular product it's not for like one-time things like we want to develop a game yeah um, i think it, they're, it they're does two completely different... different they're two completely different services yeah and they, they both serve completely different purposes speaking of patreon we have a patreon <laughs> now and i would like to thank each and every one of you except some of you didn't want to have your names mentioned but uh <laughs> no you're uh the um you can pledge one dollar and you will get a thank you on the about page, um, or you can pledge five dollars or more, and you will receive an MP3 of the raw, unedited, made to fail episode files, and you get to hear all the weird shit that goes on behind the scenes. And you hear for that, that one? You do. we we apologize deeply for you that. <laughs> you want to get on? You want to get in on this, kids? Let me tell you. I mean. But we are, $5 we are... for this level of content. Oh, yeah. I mean, you are getting your money's worth, children. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you count your monies and ums and us. Yes. <laughs> well, we are on the um standard, actually. So we <laughs> we we do have it at, um, uh, is it, yeah, it's patreon.com slash made a fail. And we'll have a link to that at the end of every show that we do from now on. And I'm going to try to put a button on the page, but I can't quite figure out how to program it. So I'm going to ask Kevin. <laughs> HTML is dumb sometimes, yeah. Uh, I, yes, I don't know yes, how to. Yes. I don't know how and, to WordPress. It's. I am actually a Patreon backer, so you can't say that I. You're, we're asking you to invest in something that we're not going to invest in ourselves. I am so happy that I can finally pay people for the stuff that they contribute to the site because my God, do they deserve it? Everybody on the site is oh, amazing. Uh, I especially want to shout out to Weary Katie, Kate Spencer, who's been doing a lot of reviews for us, and they are always consistently informative and hilarious and I want to see her she is doing the Lord's work there absolutely I want to see her go on to bigger and better things like if she ever leaves us I want it to be because she's been hired elsewhere (laughs) I really do absolutely so you know please spread the word about our Patreon so we can give our people the money that they deserve I would like to be paying them about 10 bucks an article they are not making that right now (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, it, it, it pays, it pays for now, like $10 per article of content or $10 an article as in the, you know, vocabulary no, uh, per content. You dick. Oh. <laughs> I don't, I don't pay per a, a and the, you know, I mean, <laughs> now back in the day, but when they did, uh, uh, Cleo Lindo actually touched on this a few times back when they did like serial articles, they did get, they did get paid. By oh the yeah. Paid by the, the uh, yeah, they got paid uh-huh. by the word. Uh, we can't afford that. 
<laughs> I personally make no money because I promised, and it's even in the tier thing, I don't get paid until they're making at least 10 bucks an article. So please, please pledge to our Patreon because <laughs> I do so much work and it drives me crazy. I want to get paid for it. Oh, but anyway. It is nice getting paid for it. It, it is. I mean, it's, it's it really a pittance is. right now. It is a pittance right now, uh, but it's still something. You know, they can buy themselves a positive cash a flow. It, it is a very tiny amount of positive cash flow, and I'm I'm really grateful to our sponsors for doing that for them because, you know, I I totally love them for that. If I write an oh, article, I'm not paying myself for it. You know, that's just I like I said. I mean, that's part of my. Day. I mean, get Squarespace to uh, do this. If I've learned anything, is that Squarespace will sponsor any kind of podcast. Really, <laughs> I'm gonna look into that. Actually, I mean, they they sponsor everything. Really, Squarespace, I mean, Audible, like, Casper. <laughs> yeah, you don't they, say. They pretty much own Audible at this point. I think. I Audible am... and uh, in all of the podcasts is like Squarespace and anything like that. I mean. They must fund how stuff works. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> I have absolutely got to look into this. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> hit up Audible, hit up Squarespace. I know they do a lot. Um, uh, just look around. I mean, I'm sure we can find. I'm, I mean, I'm sure we can find someone that'll pay us to do this. Well, yeah, it's I mean, our listeners are doing it right now. Mm-hmm. We just monetize. Yeah, I hear our there's uh, some guy named Adam items. who's given like five bucks a month. We must monetize this resource. <laughs> harness, harness our listeners and readers for to, to power mm. us. Yeah. It's, it's a symbiotic, we'll a, parasitic kind of relationship. Spirit bomb. Patreon is a spirit bomb. Wheel. No, no. Put them on hamster wheels. <laughs> no. Yes. I think you mean we're very, very grateful and would never take yeah, advantage. Yes, yes, of course. We, we love sure. our... We, not, we would not, literally would not be doing this without our lovely, handsome, and talented listeners. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We started it without any listeners. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> but you got some. I wish I got some. Yeah, there were like friends and family who, uh, you know, listened to, you know, word say, of mouth. Oh, yes, this is how you we promote. We like that uh, thing going, that you're doing. Yeah, going going back to the indie PR scene. This is this is how you do that. Yeah. You, you word of mouth. Um, mm-hmm. Ride the coattails of tumbling. other. Yeah. <laughs> Do a shot if you're here from Cleolinda. <laughs> sort of thing. But anyway, uh, we are at about an hour 15. I know we had more stuff to talk about, and uh, I feel bad because Weston, you didn't have much to say, but I, I kind of want to. Uh, unless you I don't have know, I'm unless you have I I got a couple of good witticisms in and really that's that's my thing right there being witty also the voice you know I could actually just uh, pull out the phone book and start reading if you like how about we do that <laughs> after I'm done recording after after we're done recording here you uh-huh, and I can yeah. have a private call and we will discuss okay. this at length you know, we could actually set that up as a reward for patrons. No. Just, uh, I'm not selling phone sex with Weston as Phone a sex, no. Just me reading a phone book. Uh-huh, what are you talking uh-huh. about? Oh, sorry. Uh, phone sex with you, obviously. Wow, get your money. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's not here. So Tess is no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm God and I, per of made a fail I, now. I'm in charge. I get to say what, what flies and what doesn't. 
I felt the spirit of Kevin throwing something at me. <laughs> no, I think that was Tessa. <laughs> Tessa's the thrower. <laughs> she really is, and she's deadly accurate, too. <laughs> Kevin just gets so many things thrown at him, like... Stuffed you know, animals, plushies, cats. Cats. <laughs> What's going on there? He is... Uh, a, he's a wonderful person, a wonderful person, I mean, I love and my a better dearly. I mean, we're going to be running for president together. Uh, O'Shea Griffith, twenty twenty. Uh, let's get our shit together, America. <laughs> um, but I love my brother dearly. But he has a he's a good target. I mean, he's just he has an aimable. <laughs> he attracts projectiles, is what I'm trying to say. So you're you're calling you're saying that Kevin is very attractive. <laughs> That yes, is exactly. Absolutely. That is absolutely. exactly what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. very good. That's like that's it. what we're saying, Kev. That's that's the uh, the point here. We are so full of shit. We're also pretty much out of time, so um, I'm going to wrap this up with I'm going to wrap this up with uh, something positive, though, not the comic strip. That's good. You know, shut. Um, it's fun. Since we talked about indie games and developments and problems and things like that, how about each one of you recommend something that turned out very well and you would like to pitch to people? So let's go backwards. Weston. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Just spring this on me? Fine. All right. Um, something that turned out very well. Well, we were talking about indie games earlier that were developed by a single person. I have been a huge fan of one game called Dwarf Fortress for many years. I knew it. When knew it, it started, you know me so well. I will always, always plug Dwarf Fortress because it's an amazing game. It is a dwarf simulator in the sense that you start with seven dwarves, you give them some stuff, and you send them out into the wilderness, and you say... Good luck, guys. You need to designate places for them to dig, and maybe they'll dig there if they feel like it. Maybe they'll just go off and get drunk. Maybe they'll light a cat on fire. I don't know. Dwarf simulator. I can't get past But the game has some of the most amazing bugs. There was a time that carp... carp I think we made the carp too hardcore. Yes. There was a time when carp gained uh, levels in uh, strength. From just swimming, because swimming is pretty hard, but, you know, they uh, they got an awful lot of strength from it. So a fisher dwarf would go out to the river, he would throw his line out there, and then a carp would leap out of the river and just mangle him. <laughs> completely. And then, of course, the other dwarves, they're like, hey, there's some stuff out by the river. We should go collect it and bring it into the fortress. So those dwarves would go out, and this, this carp, which is now just flopping around on the ground, would mangle those dwarves next. Fishing for the longest time was the most dangerous thing. <laughs> that or possibly just, you know, being a cat in the fortress, because there's a thing that happens with cats. Uh, they breed. And there's only so much processor time for things like pathfinding and, well, whatever it is else. So we, so we needed a Bob do. Barker so, simulator, basically. So what you need is a Bob Barker simulator. There's no way to spare neuter cats. The best thing that you can do there is... Uh, well, you've got two options. I'm only going to talk about one of them. Uh, you can just put them in a cage and leave them there. And, you know, they'll they'll be happy in there with all of the other cats. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, man, it's a fantastic game with the most amazing bugs. <laughs> and uh, now that the uh, the demons are procedurally generated, the uh, forbidden beasts, the uh, everything else, um, yeah, it's, uh, oh, man, it's a glorious game. And I strongly recommend it to uh, anybody and don't... anybody, whoever... Listen to me for three minutes. 
Don't make me want to check this out, please. I have so many games I haven't played already. If it helps at all, the graphics are entirely ASCII. There's That's fine. nothing. Good. Okay. I, I I grew up in the fucking 80s. I know what like bad computer yeah. graphics look like. I played Zork for God's sake. Okay. Yeah, it's almost entirely like um, not hack. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tessa. So that's my thing. All right. Um, I normally would have said Undertale, but we kind of talked about that quite a bit earlier. Um, so it's it's a bit of an older game, and it's not anything that was through Kickstarter or Greenlight, but it still kind of qualifies as indie. Um, there's a game called The Stanley Parable that anybody has not Do Beginner's Guide too. Out. Beginner's Guide yeah. is amazing, but um, but I, I have a feeling Stanley Parable is a little bit more accessible to people. Um, it's The best way I can think of describing it is it's... Uh, it's a storytelling game, so it's it's not there's not a whole lot of interaction involved as far as you know directly doing anything other than than walking around and experiencing the story. But um, its its sense of humor is something along the lines of if Portal was written by Douglas Adams. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yes. That is accurate. <laughs> um, the it's an incredibly amusing game. It's got a lot. Um, a lot of kind of meta commentary on uh, games as a whole and how people interact with them. Um, and basically, if, if it's something that you have not tried, uh, I would heavily recommend at the very least going to Steam and uh, downloading the demo, which is completely free. Um, it's a completely separate thing from the game itself, and it gives you a very, very good idea of the style of humor and the um, and how the game is going to play and the kind of thing you can expect. Well, I think um, I think if you're talking about like uh, meta commentary on gaming, that is a lot more beginner's guide. Yeah, I mean, uh, Stanley Parable. It's it's the the entire um, purpose for its existence is to be commentary on specifically less beginner's guide. I would call more. Uh, game development meta-commentary. Fair enough. Uh, St- Stanley Parable is much more a game player meta- uh, meta-commentary. Um, it's much more, I would say, kind of a deconstruction and um, and sort of poking fun at and also making some commentary on the way that people um, people's expectations while playing games. Oh, and, Jesus, um, that game hit me right in the depression and did not let go. <laughs> oh, God, the Beginner's Guide? Yes. Yeah, that was a like utterly fantastic. I downloaded uh, it because of your recommendation, and I played it, and I was like, "What the fuck? Even I am compromised." It is really, really powerful. Um, I would, I would definitely say, Beginner's Guide is not. Um, that's definitely not for everybody. Um, and it's similar in storytelling um, to Stanley Parable, but definitely not similar in tone. Um, if you go into it expecting um, another Stanley Parable in that, you're, you're, that's not what the game is. Um, but if you're open to uh, having, um, if you're open to a bit of um, unusual storytelling and kind of um, 
out of the box and, and being narrative. emotionally compromised. And and yeah, <laughs> it's it's definitely it's definitely much much heavier. And there are bits of that that are really really hard to get through. But um, overall, it's a fantastic experience, and I can't really recommend that one high enough. All right, Adam. Uh, I'm actually going to do combo breaker here and suggest a comic book, The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl by Kevin North. <laughs> or Ryan North, rather. Oh my god, this series. Oh, if we do this comics, so I'll good. be here forever. Try to stick with me. <laughs> so I, yeah, I... um, if you guys follow me on Twitter at all, you will know that I am the biggest Squirrel Girl fan ever. Are uh, we, that's not really indie. Uh, Biaga on this list? Because, I mean, she's... I will fight her even though uh, she would not appreciate that, but mm-hmm. oh yeah. my god, it is just amazing. I mean, the writing is crisp, it's funny, and yeah, it takes Squirrel Girl, like, she's kind of been a joke character in, the, in Marvel for forever, and it actually makes her, like, a legit interesting character, because she takes on Galactus by group therapy, and... <laughs> talks through the problems and like she yeah she beats up bad guys but she also you know talks to talks to them and figure out hey galactus why are you doing this bruh galactus you know hungers though i mean how hard what, is that what, to figure out your, <laughs> well i mean it's not and i don't want to give spoilers but he, she actually talks galactus down <laughs> Jesus. and it's and if you've ever read uh, any of uh dinosaur comics ryan north does that and he's that comes through a lot, and the art, the art is really good. Uh, it's just it, I will read anything with Squirrel Girl, uh, just on general principle, just because I think comics should be fun rather than grimdark all the time. I like some but, grimdark, but honestly, not all. But not for every single fucking character. Yeah, not like Killing Joke Dark. But, mm. <laughs> I got a whole other episode mm. for that one. <laughs> we do not speak of it. We didn't like it. I was not amused. So what I'm hearing is that uh, when you want to stop a war, you call Squirrel Girl. <laughs> oh, hey! If you want to, if you want to stop a war and get all the people to agree to a uh, hundred years of diplomacy and peace, call Squirrel Girl. Can, okay. we, can we put her in the uh, 2016 that, uh... election then? <sighs> Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl and... would act friend Donald Trump and he would impossible be, we, we agree yeah, not to that talk about this impossible. Oh. <laughs> Weston's got a little PTSD from I've got opinions <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't mean to if, tri- if only so there was a website that would publish editorials if only somebody I would love to see a crossover where Squirrel Girl and Wonder Woman just talk about, uh, you know, good and happy stuff like uh, braiding hair and, you know, how to, uh, you know, make bad guys less bad. Because uh, okay. that would be awesome. Now, now I'm I'm following you now, and yeah. uh, let's let's keep going with the Squirrel Girl Wonder mm-hmm. Woman crossover yeah. because now I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Squirrel now. Girl Wonder Woman. Right, yeah. uh, Squirrel, Squirrel Girl on uh, Themyscira. 
See, I've wanted to see Squirrel, uh, Wonder Woman, and uh, Captain America get together in just like a, you know, it's a crossover, and they just start talking about shields. Like, oh man, your shield is really cool, dude. Yours is amazing. How'd you do that? Well, I got it from a person. And, oh man, wow. You know, and they just geek out about shields for a bit, cause and tell war stories. Yeah, cause they're both so, old so not, soldiers. Not to not to start an entirely different topic, uh, but. Like, is it is it just me, or does it seem like uh, the Wonder Woman movie is probably going to be the only good DC Cinematic Universe movie that's going to happen? I guess you could say we're all waiting for Godot. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I need this movie in my life so bad. Oh, I watched the trailer because... like five times. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so like... I need. I, I watched it. and I was like, "That's my princess." I, I am like, I, I, I am way excited for that movie, and I could not give less of a crap. About Fucking color TV. correct it, though. Please, please, please take yeah, the blue filter yeah. off. Please take the more, blue filter off. More color. I mean, the lasso truth, obviously, very colorful, very bright. We just uh, need, I hope that's oh, not finished CGI, need, um, though. Uh, JJ Abrams to direct it. And he'll uh, throw in all the lens flare. Oh, <laughs> okay, um, I would thing, watch that. The thing that I wanted to recommend uh, is uh, it's been out for years, um, but I'm very so. proud of having supported this game and this company. Um, Dave Marsh and Carl Roloffs from Zojoy, the original creators of Shadowgate, which you might have played when it was a Mac venture. And that edition is also on Steam, by the way, for about two bucks. And uh, you might have also played it on Nintendo, which is where I heard of it when it was released by Chemco Seiko. And it is a point-and-click adventure. And for years, I wanted it, like, ported to the 3DS, right? Because what a great place for that sort of, you know, uh, genre. Oh, yeah. Um, but, oh my god, when they remade Shadowgate from the ground up. It's not just a remake. There's so much new shit in there. There's different towers. There's different puzzles. Like, if you think you're going to go in there and beat the, crap of, uh, beat the crap out of it, I can words, because you beat the Nintendo game, uh, good luck, buddy. Because <laughs> there's so much they added to it. They added some story to it. They added some gravitas to it. They added characters. It's, oh my god. God, it just, it is so, so, so good. And I'm so sad that it didn't make the kind of money it should have because they released it during a Steam summer sale. And I felt so bad. I felt so bad. They got completely overshadowed. Oh, that's unfortunate. Oh, I know. So I I will promote Shadowgate for the rest of my life. It frequently goes on sale now. If you like... Um, really, really, like, a horror atmosphere and a really good sort of, like, you know, wizard knight story thing, Uh, living castles, uh, you know, demons being brought up from from the depths, and just, oh, it's so neat. And the puzzles, they have three different difficulty levels. They have, like, you know, LOL, learn to play scrub level, and then they have, like, (laughs) you know, you're going to be here for the rest of your life (laughs) um, level. And it's it's absolutely amazing, and I cherish it, and I love it, and I'm so proud of having contributed to it. Um, I'm also the one that I, I think I'm the only one that spell checked it, to be honest with you, because everybody else was <laughs> testing for bugs, and I'm like, I'll just proofread it. I'm not good enough at this to like, <laughs> but but I but I can proofread. So if there's a spelling hey, error, it's, it's my fault. 
a legit uh, contribution. I know, right? It sounds like someone should do a Let's Play of it. I would, but I don't want to. Well, <laughs> I was thinking me, but I mean, you know, if you don't want to. Yeah. Hey, I would, I would fucking love to be a voice on there and, and watch you play it, and we can stream mm -hmm. it, and I can yell at you and be like, oh, that's yeah. not what you're supposed to be doing. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, ah, yes. It is a great, great deal of fun, <laughs> and if you want it, I will happily buy it for you the next time it goes on sale, unless I already did that. Uh, but yeah. I will but, check my uh, uh, Steam library. Um, it's but, not on GOG, is it? Huh? Um, uh, GOG, it might, I think it is on GOG, actually. Okay. Um, but the other thing is, uh, I get pretty much all my game recommendations so far. Nobody has really steered me wrong here. Uh, between Weary Katie and my friend Kara and Tessa, yeah. you guys got me to play To the Moon, and fuck oh, wow. you for it. Fuck you for it. Because I was like, I'll just check this out. Oh, this looks like a weird little RPG. Four hours later, I'm in tears. Real legit tears. Like... And yeah. I, I think it was Kara that bought it for me because I've got this DM from her where I'm freaking out about it. And mm -hmm. uh, I was like, what the fuck even? And, and, and she goes, that game goes from mundane sad to psychotropic existential crisis in no seconds. Oh, and yeah. that is yeah. completely yeah. accurate. And I don't even know how to describe this game. If anybody can do like a two sentence summary, good fucking luck. <laughs> um, but I think I can do it uh, where um, two scientists are trying to go into a dying man's head to make him feel like he lived his life in a way that he wanted to his entire life. And mm -hmm. this man's dying wish is to go to the moon, but he doesn't know why. So they have to figure that out. And they find out some really fucked up shit in his head. Mm -hmm. And you get to watch him like all these this this common thread throughout his life. And, you know, you go from like him as an old man progressively backwards to some mm -hmm. really, really fucked up shit as a child. And yeah. it's really cool. And it's funny. It's got really, really good dialogue. It's very sharp. Um, I like the combat system. It is. <laughs> there is no combat system. <laughs> there's, there's like a little bit of a puzzle thing in there, but there's no penalty for fucking it up too much. Like it took me like 230 try, you know, whatever. But, um, it, it's really, it's it's just such a good story, and it's really a creative idea, that whole idea of wish fulfillment by fucking with somebody's yeah. memories on, on their deathbed. That's mm -hmm. really kind of cool. I liked the relationship mm -hmm. between the two scientists, because mm. uh, they're kind of frenemies, and I yeah. kind of ship them. <laughs> but uh, oh, who doesn't? It was, it was extraordinarily touching. The soundtrack is beautiful. And I highly, highly recommend To the Moon, because it will... I, I, I like games that will eventually fuck with my emotions, and this one, boy, <laughs> did this one do it. You're laughing hysterically one second, because, <laughs> you know, Dead Squirrel, and then, the, un, unless you're sad about Dead Squirrels, but it's used in a comedic way, <laughs> I, I promise. Uh, but then the next thing mm. you know, it's like... <gasps> Oh, my dear God. And then you're just crying for the next three hours. <laughs> so it's it's great. It's great. Definitely play it. If you're looking for something that will make you cry, there is a webcomic called Unicorn Jelly, which... Oh, God. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> Are you yeah. okay, Tessa? Wow, I have not 
I have not heard that that title in years. It's been a good long while, yeah. Oh, and geez. it was a really good, really gripping series that went to places that I was not expecting it to go, and I'm not sure that I was emotionally prepared for it at the time, and I think I may have you to reread it because... Uh, oh, that's, that's a trip down memory lane. Holy crap. Yeah. So... I wanted to make an Tessa joke appears there. to endorse it. <laughs> now, see, I try to avoid things like that because, <laughs> number one, I read things to get away from how depressing shit is, mm-hmm. and number two... My mind is already pretty dark, and I think I need to lighten it, because I read a lot of Eldritch Horror in my spare time. There's so if I'm playing a game, I kind of just want to chill out and shoot and just have fun and, you know, tell jokes. I don't, I don't, need, the, I don't need the sads. I probably I don't, don't either, but I like having right a safe points. place where it's, like, it's sad over fiction. It's, it's okay. Yeah. It's... There are a lot of Dana, bright um, moments in Unicorn Jelly. A lot of really good bright moments in Unicorn Jelly that, uh, you know, it doesn't always tear jerk you, you know, but, you know, it, it, sometimes it does it for a really good reason. And I, I recommend it for that. I, I appreciate I a very have, good jerking. I mean, what? <laughs> go ahead, Tess. Well, who doesn't? Have you ever played a game called Thomas Was Alone? No, but my friend Brandon has it, and uh, he enabled his Steam catalog on my computer. But remember how I said I've got about 300 Steam games I haven't fucking played yet? No, I understand. <laughs> I'll get to it. I promise. Yeah. Uh, on the list? Oh. It's, it's, it's on the list. It's downloaded. It is sitting there collecting dust because <laughs> Warcraft. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Which we'll be talking oh, about that, next that, that, month. Next that's time. a lot. That's a lot of my Steam library, also. Yeah, I know, right? On the topic Those of damn the sales. Steam games you bought because you saw they were uh, uh, recommended. Uh, there's a little quirky Japanese uh, RPG called Hyper Dimension Neptunia. Got that and too. I saw the post. Uh, I saw that a bunch of people on my Steam list had it. And I was not prepared for how weird as heck that game is. You guys that might, is, you guys, you guys, is, the, the three of you. definitely a your mileage may vary kind of game, but the, yeah. The three of you I might like it, this one yeah. called, um. I love it. Sorry, um, let... There's, there's one that you guys might like called Cinders, and it's sort of like an updated take on Cinderella, uh, as Choose Your Own oh, Adventure. Yeah. And it's actually really cool, and there's a lot of neat interaction between, um, Cinderella and, well, her name is Cinders, and the stepsisters. But when they talk and when they fight, you can see that there's definitely reasons behind why the sisters act the way they do, and they all think that they're right, and they make good arguments. So you actually like make these choices of how to relate to them, how to relate to your stepmother, how you know, like it's it's got a lot of really neat choices. I just did the normal playthrough where you end up with the prince at the end, but even that has kind of a downside to it. But it's all right. it's all really cool, and, and she's. She's presented as brilliant with a lot of agency and mm. makes a lot of really interesting choices. And I want to keep playing it. I think there's definitely some replayability value to it. So check out Cinders. And the graphics are beautiful, might I add. Yeah, a little I, cleavage-y. Just, I just pulled it up right now. I'm, it's a I'm little cleavage but it looks... And yeah, that looks, it looks kind of really cool. Yeah, I, I definitely recommend that. But yeah, it's, it's basically, it's it's not like a game game. It's a choose-your-own-adventure story. But it's a lot of fun See, because I, I like those. I don't have a lot of patience for those. I'm saying, really? I mean, 
Oh, man. I was going to say, I like my whiz-bang shooty fun. That's fine. Mm. Jeez, I, I, I went through the entirety of, of Umineko as a visual novel, and that's, that that was like a year's worth of time sink. So oh, I played Eden. Do you know how many things. days I spent on Eden? I tried real hard. But it got so far, right. and in the end, it didn't even matter. <laughs> there was an AMV from back in the day when AMVs okay. were a thing of uh, uh, that song with <laughs> Final Fantasy IX. And uh, I think it was nine. It was the one with the the cat boy? Yeah, that's nine. that was ten. Monkey boy, okay, by nine. the way. Oh, that was yeah. He had the monkey tail. Yeah, <laughs> that's fun. That's All right, game. I think we are wrapped up for the night. It has been about a half an uh, hour and a half. Thank you guys for coming back. I will try to have you on more shows because you're mm-hmm. the family. Thank you for having me. Anytime. I would. I will have you anytime, Weston. Mm, yeah, I walked into that. You loved it. Uh, Adam, Tessa, thank you as well. Mm-hmm. And feel free to submit any kind of like thoughts and feels to Made a Fail. Ask me if you, you know, editorial. Just pitch something to me. I'm more than Made happy to publish. Yeah. Made a Did I really say that? <laughs> I might have. I might have slightly twanged. I don't know. I'm tired. I, I had to take a Clonopin before the show, so I'm a little. I'm a little loopy. But thank you all for tuning in. Um, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash madeafail. Check out our website at madeafail.net where we have editorials, interviews, uh, and reviews of all kinds of cool things. And we will see you next month for episode 82. Thank you and good night. Bye.